are you guys doing? You guys doing well? Man, I am so glad. Um, you know, we with this last week, we really had that earthquake action and things are shaking, huh? Man, God was shaking today. This this is good. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking um, it's it's always good when things are on our mind. You remember it, you know, your to-do list. And, and for some of you, you know, that earthquake's going on and you're like, okay, wait, where am I supposed to stand again? Okay, what are we supposed to do? And so it's good to have those checklists and things to do in life. We actually have at the end of the month, uh, Southern Baptist, if, if you notice in the back, there's a disaster relief truck. And so we're actually going to be doing training at the end of the month. And so I encourage each of you, if you'd like to be a part of that, that next week we'll have a sign up for that. The, the two major areas that we're going to have people is with uh, cleanup, how to help with cleanup, and another thing with safety. And so these are areas that you can come and actually get certified. And when, when a, a disaster takes place, you could actually go and help. And so it's an amazing thing how God will use each one of us, I believe, um, to, to uh, in the midst of even just those tough, hard times, you know, those things that come up that you don't expect. You know, I was thinking uh, this last week about, you know, the 4th of July. So many good things just happened last week, you know, and we think about our country and we think about some of the great leaders of it. I heard a story and the story was actually about a boy named Sam and it was in 1820s. And, and so Sam was outside playing. He was having a great time. And then as, as, as he's in his action move, he ends up uh, running and kind of pushing against and then accidentally knocking over the outhouse. Well, then Sam freaked out. So Sam ran in the forest and Sam stayed in the forest until nighttime. He was like, I'm not going around that thing. And so as Sam comes forward and he starts to come home, his dad's standing there. And uh, his dad kind of suspiciously said, uh, hey, uh, Sam, uh, you know anything about this outhouse? You know, did, did, you, did you accidentally uh, knock down the outhouse? And he said, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I didn't have anything to do with that. And he said, uh, Sam, let me tell you a story. You know, there's a George Washington, our, our first president. And, and uh, when he was a child, his, his dad gave him an axe. And it was this beautiful new axe. And, and George went out and he was so excited. He started just chopping down the trees all around. And the next thing he knew, he chopped down his mother's favorite cherry tree. And he did exactly what you did, Sam. He ran in the forest and he waited until it was night. And as he came back, his dad said, George, did you cut down that cherry tree of your mother's? And he said, I, 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 I tell you the truth. I can't lie to you. I did chop down the cherry tree. And, and, and the dad said, well, because of your honesty, I'm, I'm, you're, there's no punishment. I'm going to let you go, and I just appreciate your honesty. And then he said, Sam, do you see the lesson? Do you see what I'm trying to say? So, and, and Sam shakes his head, and he's like, yeah, I got it. I got it, Dad. And then he says, uh, so did you chop down, or did, did, did you end up pushing down that outhouse? And, and, and Sam thought about it, and he said, you know, I can't tell a lie. I did push down that outhouse. Well, his dad grabs him, slaps him on his knee, just starts spanking him, red, white, and blue, just all over. And then, and then, and then Sam, Sam looks up, and he's whimpering, and he's crying, and he's like, Dad, I told the truth. Why didn't you do like what George Washington's dad did? And he said, George Washington's dad wasn't sitting in the tree. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I, <laughs> bad jokes. You can always count on those from me. Uh, but but I, I related to that story because I related to when I do something wrong, how we want to hide, how we want to get away. We want to do everything we can 
avoid from telling the truth of what's going on. And so as we look at it in our series, it's so important of what our foundation stays on. What are we holding on to? And so our memory verse this morning, I ask that you'd pull out your study guide. It'll be up on the screen too. And we're going to say it together. It's out of John chapter 8. We believe that this is a foundation. This is really important as we're in this series of being set free to live free. So let's say it together. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And so that's so important, especially with today's message. You're going to understand it's so important of who we stay focused on. Where does our freedom come from? Does the freedom come from us or does the freedom come from God? And so as we start to look at the Ten Commandments, and we've been going through it. We had an introduction, and then we looked at the first commandment. Then we looked at the fifth commandment last week. And all of these, I encourage you to go online and listen and just follow up to see where we're at because I believe that there's a lot of background to where we're at and it kind of lays a foundation but it's also important we've talked about it before that 80 percent of people say that the ten commandments are 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 important that they believe in them and then they say oh what are they and 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 over half of them say I have no idea what they are I just know that they're good things well I read a study this last week that talked about um 90% of people, when you read the commandments to them and you say, here, let me read the Ten Commandments, that 90% of people believe that, that basically five through ten, they, they like those. And then, and then it cuts in half of the first four. And so, so as we start to look at it, I want you to understand what, what people see. So the very first one, and you can fill it in, is that, that you must not have any gods but me. No gods but me. So now the second one, and, and keep this in mind. So so I'm, I'm a big Brady Bunch fan. I lived on Brady Bunch. I grew up on the Brady Bunch. And so the two least known people in the Brady Bunch, great study has showed me, is Peter and Bobby. They're the least recognized of the Bradys. And so in a study, they say that 43% of people recognize Peter and Bobby. Bobby. They know who they are. Now, when it comes to our second commandment, only 29% of people know this, is that, that you must not make for yourself an idol. And so most people, they don't, they don't even get what that means. Even the idea of hearing an idol, they're like, man, that's something like different religions do or something that, that has nothing to do with us in America. We're going to look at that today. The third one is that you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 34% of people knew that. Um, the fourth commandment, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, the next one, 45% of people said, I, I've got that one. I, I, I know that. that. That's honor your father and mother. But what's interesting, if you weigh that out in statistics, is that 62% of people understand that the Big Mac has pickles on it. So people know more about the Big Mac than they do about our commandments. People are just confused when they read it. They really don't know what it is. You know, you've got less than 80% uh, of people could tell you the primary ingredient to the Big Mac, but less than 60% could tell you the commands that God has for us written out. Number six is that you must not murder. Number seven, you must not commit adultery. Number eight, you must not steal. Number nine, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Number 10, you must not covet. So, so guys, let's look at the scripture today. And, and, and I keep saying this, and I will be your broken record. You'll be like, Rich, I've heard this over and over and over. Here, here's the whole thing. If we don't understand what this all points to, the commandments all point 
to Jesus. If we don't have it point back to Jesus, we are like every other religion under the sun. We are like every single cult that's out there that says, if you follow these rules, you will appease God and you will perform for God. That is not what the commandments are. The commandments are this guardrail. It's a protection. It's a safety. It's God saying, this is how to live your life. Now, if you jump over that rail, that's going to affect you. That's going to danger. That, that, that's not the way that we, I, I design life to happen. And so it's so important that we understand that, especially with this commandment. So turn in your Bibles to Exodus 20, starting in verse 4. It says that you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or image of anything in heaven or on earth or in the sea. See, an idol is an image. It represents of a God used as an object of worship. So whatever that is, that is our idol, what we choose to create to worship, what we choose to deem as this is what I'm going to focus on, this is what I'm going to value. I, I loved when we were worshiping today in that last song, you know, you're just raising your hands and, and your focus is on him and it's all about God. And it's like, you are so worthy, you are so awesome, God. But there are so many idols that we focus on during the week that you are so awesome, you are so incredible, you are so important. And that's what God's trying to to say verse five it says you must not bow down to them or worship them you must keep god clearly as the one you worship the first commandment you know it's god is everything and what he's going on to saying he has to stay everything in everything we do he must be our focus because if god's not our focus of what we worship on we will naturally find other things to worship. We were created to worship. So if we don't worship God, we will start to worship other things. How will we do it? We'll start to create our own gods. We'll start to shape them with our hands. We'll start to focus on them. They become the most important thing. We start to share with our friends and our family. It's this is so important in my life. This means so much to me. We start to take those idols, we create those idols, we use our, our sweat, our tears, everything we focus on. I've given everything I can to this one thing. I've given so much to this area. We surrender to it. We say, wait a second, this is more important. Wait a second, no, 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 I can't do that anymore on Sunday. I've got, I've got something more important. You know what, I don't really have time for, for the quiet time every day? What is your, what's your sin? Like three or four minutes a day? I really don't have time for that. I got to get to Starbucks and I got these other things I've got to do and I've got to focus on these other things. And that becomes our idol. And so as we look at the scripture, it goes on in, in verse five. It says, for I, the Lord your God, am, je am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Guys, let me tell you really quick, it's really easy to create our God right at this point because for some of you, there's an uncomfortable feel about what I just said. You don't like the word jealous, so you're like, no, that's not my God. My God's not a jealous God. My God's such a loving God. He's, he's kind of like a warm, fuzzy teddy bear. You know, maybe slightly unicornish. And, and so he's just this incredible, sweet God, that's who my God is. Jealous, I don't like that word, so that's not my God. So what have I just done? I've created my own God. I've created a God that I like. Well, let me, let me help unpack the whole idea of what a jealous God is. See, God understands that he is true and supreme, and everything else is a counterfeit. Why? Because there is only one God. There's only one true God. So everything else is a counterfeit. And he's very jealous of that because he loves his bride so much. So Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. He loves us so much. He cares about us so much to see us taken away by someone else. Yeah, yeah, he should be jealous. If, 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 
I ended up saying, hey, honey, I love you. We've been married over 20 years now. It's great. You're fantastic. You do all these wonderful things, baby. I think I'm going to bring home this other lady, though, because she meets certain needs, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll just call her a sister wife or something, okay? And she'll be in the guest room, okay? And, 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 and you're great. Don't get me wrong. You are fantastic. But, but she just kind of does other things for me. So I just, you know, maybe emotionally, physically, whatever. So I'm just going to keep her here, okay? And then I'll get, I'll get another wife, and we'll put her up in the attic, and we'll put another wife, and we'll put her in the basement, and, 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 and somehow that would be okay? Absolutely not. There's, there's this thing of, of that that's wrong. That's not how things have been designed, but we do that with God. We say, I love God. I love Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. I love Jesus. But yeah, I need a little yoga over here because, you know, I need to clear my mind and I need to find my inner peace of who I am. And I have to, not, nothing's wrong with Jesus, but, you know, sometimes you just have to go a little deeper. You know, sometimes you just have to find it here. Feng Shui, where's our money place in the house? Let's put the water over here and let's put all these things. Now, now here's the thing with idols is we can take things that aren't that bad and we make them bad because we put them before God. And so what we start to look at is that God is completely exclusive. And he says, there is no way because I love you so much that I would ever want you with someone else. Does that make sense, the idea of jealousy? Then you're like, oh my gosh, of course a loving God would be a jealous God because there is only one God. Everything else is counterfeits. And so that's why as we look in it, um, further in the passage, it says, lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who rejected me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Guys, okay, let's unpack this really quick. You know, uh, the, the sins of the father pass on. The sins of the mother pass on for generations. Those things, we can look at it. We can look at, at, at different behaviors, different things of how people respond. If it doesn't stop with Jesus changing us and we start to live free, that bondage is going to be passed on for generations and generations. And we look at that, and, and, and what a horrible thing. I don't like that. You know, I don't, I don't like that. Well, the, the Bible's speaking very, very true. So if I don't get a grasp on my anger, it's only natural that that's going to bleed in for generations to generations. If I don't get a grasp of my selfishness, of what I want, this is my private world, this is what I want, this is richest thing, that's just going to pass on for generations and generations. But the beauty of it all, when we look at it and it says, but when we change and we're set free and we start to live free, that that's passed on for generations and generations and generations. I mean, I think of what, what's happened in my life is because of parents and grandparents and great-grandparents praying and doing the right thing. I believe that those seeds continue to grow. So each one of us has a choice of what we choose to do to live free. Deuteronomy 27.15 says, Cursed is anyone who carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. These idols of work, of craftsmen, are detestable of the Lord. Okay, so, so what are you really talking about, Rich? I mean, I always think about it. I think of some little golden calf. I think of some little, little Buddha I see at the Chinese restaurant. I rub his belly and stuff. That's the idol, right? You know, is that kind of what we put it down to? We, we kind of put the idol in a little tiny box that, that is completely irrelevant to us as we live today. If, if you've got room on your study guide, I've just got different things. And so as we're going, you can just write these things in and say, hey, maybe that, that stands out to me. Because I believe that self-made idols today, one of them is self. It's, it's just me. I've become my own idol. I'm the most important thing. I look in the mirror. Hey, Rich, it's all about you. You're the most important person in the world. I identify by, by my personality, 
by, by my race, by my gender, by my orientation, by my disease, by my dis addiction. This is who I am. I am rich. I am whatever. Fill in the blank. I mean, we just celebrated, or maybe we still are. Are we out of the whole month? I mean, you just have a whole month. This is my identity. This is who I am. And then, and then we have another month. This is who I am. And everything is, is becoming our own idol of who we identify with. Sex, comfort, safety, security, success, money, education, self-preservation, feelings, children, family. Well, some of those things you'll be like, Rich, those are good things. Those are really good things. See, idols are always things that we take. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. So we take something beautiful like family. We, we take something beautiful like our relationship with our spouse that God's entrusted us with. And it's beautiful, and it, there's a right place that it should be. But the problem is we put it in place of God. And we push God to the side, and we say this is the most important thing. I, I've shared before. I see people, uh, especially doing a lot of counseling over the years, people will say, we have a really bad marriage, Pastor. Yeah, it's really bad. And they we're going to counseling and everything, but I just want you to know, you won't see us at church for the next few weeks, you know, because we just realize we just need to get away. We just need to go to the beach. You know, we just need to go to Disneyland. We just need to have some fun. You know, we just need to, and, and, and here's the problem, is we took something that's just fine, that's, that's okay, but we said that's more important than God, and so that's how we define idols. So, so, so we need to look at that, and then, and then when we look in Acts, Acts 17, verse 29, it says that we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen for gold or silver or stone. What does that mean when I start to think about an idol? It's like I can take my God, holy, righteous God, creator, master of the universe, and I turn him into a genie. I rub it three times. Okay, I get what I want. Okay, I come to church. I appease God. I make him happy. Hopefully, he'll bless my life and he'll do good things. We start to look at him as just, just a little object. If I control, if I, if I rub God's ego right, you know, like I say something nice during the week, you know, like, God bless you. You know, oh, now, now I, I'm going to win brownie points, you know, and that, that somehow God's going to be happy. And, and it's really important that we don't do that. See, idolatry in our world is, is, is just rampant. I mean, out of all the things that, that, that we can look at these commandments, idolatry is who we choose to worship, what we choose to worship, and how we choose to worship. And what's tricky is that with an idol, it always demands very little. Idols are great in the beginning. They're just so beautiful, you know, because they're, they're so nice, and they just want to do good things for you. What do you need to do? Oh, just a little bit of this, and it's just nice. Okay, that's what idols do. And so it's easier for us to go to the idol than to go to God, because what does God ask of us? God says, I want everything. All right, I either want your whole life or just forget it. I either want to be completely connected with you or forget it. I am a jealous God. I'm a loving God. I care about you too much for this, this come and go relationship. But idols say, hey, come on. You know, don't, don't you love a, uh, you know, if, if I pulled out my wallet, you'd, you'd find like a MasterCard and you'd find a Discover. And aren't those great? I mean, they're so helpful. They're all, but can my credit card become my idol? Can my finances become my idol? Have, have you ever been enslaved by your idol? I mean, for some of you, that's every week when you're doing your bills. You're like, wow, I'm totally controlled by this. Oh, I'd love to serve the Lord. Oh, I'd love to do this. But I can't because I'm controlled by these things. So how do we know we have idols? Here's some things. If something stands out, write it down and talk to God about it this week. Is how do you handle your time? 
What are things that you do with your time? What are the things that you do with your life? What, uh, you, when, when you go through your credit card statement, that's a great way. What are the things that I spend my money on? What are the most important things when I look at my bank statement? How about this? What upsets you? I totally caught myself this week, and I, was, I got frustrated, and I was like, Rich, why are you frustrated? Oh, because of this idol that you have here. Because you believe things should work out this way, and because it's not, wh what about the things that, that we do to try to protect ourselves? Can that become an idol? What, what about the things that, that, that you have lots of knowledge about? I love talking to someone that knows all about certain things, but... Can that thing become an idol? Yeah, sure, sure. What are those things that can make you smile, can make you happy, can get you up running? I mean, those are incredible things, right? But they can become idols. They can be things that we place before God. Here, here's one. Idols always become those things that we accept, and then we can end up resenting. So we take it in and we say, wow, they're the greatest, they're the best, they're fantastic, they're awesome. Ugh, I'm so mad and I'm so upset. Guys, we can even do that in our relationships. We can put our spouse in an unfair place. We can put our spouse up in a pedestal that they should never be and we idolize them. Parents do it all the time with their kids. They put their kids in a place that their kids should never be. And then eventually what happens? Man, I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated at my kids or my wife or my husband because they're not living up to what I want them to be. That's because we've made them an idol. We've placed them in a place. Now listen to this. Romans 12, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this. So he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So it's about changing our mind of what we think, changing our mind of how we focus on things. Again, we can take some good things and then we make them God things and now they're bad things. And so there's things that we can we can be like, oh, you know, I just love going through the motions. I just love, you know, I mean, sometimes there, there's things that, that we're, we're going to look at that, that they're, they're good. They're so good, just like the commandments. They're just good, right? But when I make the commandments, my God, it's bad. It's bad. So here's the fill-in that I want you to write this morning is, is under I, as we look at idols, it's the items. It's, it's the religion of consumerism. It's what we own. It's our, our public way of projecting ourselves. That can become our idol. The things that I have, hey, you know, make sure you put that in the background of my picture. You know, let them see that new watch I got. Make, make sure that they see this. Make sure they see that. They, yeah, I get the house. You know, we just got the house so perfect. You know, make sure that they see that. And make sure that they see, uh, you know, is there a name tag? Yeah, you know, the name brand. You know, let's make sure that people see that. And that kind of starts to become our idol. Now, now, it can flip the other way, too. We can do it in, in, in being a minimalistic. You know, whatever we're trying to get people to be impressed by who we are, that starts to become our idol. We start to seek those things out. We care so much what people think. What are they going to say? If we buy this, if we don't buy this, if we have this or if we don't have this, that becomes our idol. Guys, and when, when it comes to stuff, those things, I mean, easy questions to ask is if it was gone tomorrow, would I be okay? If somebody took it, are, are, we, are we fine? How upset would I really get? How mad would I really get about these things if something happened to them? 
So what does the scripture say? The scripture says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. See, there's something really cool about when we can let go of our stuff. And we say, hey, God, I'm believing that you're going to take care of me. God, I'm believing that you're going to provide for me. So our focus becomes off of our stuff and on to him. See, so we go from idols, religious consumerism, to duties. So D is duties. So what, what is that? That's, that's, that's the religion of responsibilities. That's our res- responsibilities. You know, our duty to do the right thing. Now, I, I, I found this quote this week, and I want to share it with you. Our duties can rightly be a way we worship God or wrongly be a God we worship. Guys, we can take things that are so good and flip them to be our gods that we worship. Look, look at our relationships, our, our, our parents, our spouse, our, our kids, the people around us. We can easily slip them into a place that they shouldn't be, and we start to worship them. See, One of the things that happens when we get into my program is so important, the way I do things is so important, it becomes so rigid that we worship that. And one of the things of of the outcome that I catch in myself, I realize that I've got to win. How many of you guys like to win? You guys like to win? Isn't it? it, I like to win. I like to win. I like to win. I like to win. And so it's so important that I'm right. You know, it's so important that somebody else's wrong and that I'm right and and I'm winning because that's part of my idol. My idol is about me being right, me doing the right thing. Okay, yes, I I dressed appropriately when I went there and I did this and I did that and 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 that becomes our idol that we chase. And we can do that in so many ways that 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 thing of pride. I'm so proud of who I am because I do this and I do that and that becomes our idol. Well, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this in chapter 5. He says, for the freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm against, you know, stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Jesus came to set us free. Now, we, we started in the beginning. These are guardrails that God said, this is to protect you. I love you so much. I'm putting this to protect you. Now, what we do is we take these rules and we say, oh, God loves me more now. You know, boy, I'm sure better than the person next to me, aren't I? You know, because I do this and because I do that. So, so what's the next thing? O is others. And you can, uh, you can kind of put a slash next to it if you want to and put self. And, and what I mean by that, it's the religion of impression. It's, it's really a religion of impression. You know, God created us for community. You know, pity the man who falls that has no one to pick him up. God created us for relationship to connect with people, but that can become our idol. I'm so worried about what other people think of me, how they perceive me, how they see me. I fit in, I compromise, I do all kinds of things. Why? Because I want the approval of other people. That's how that idol makes me happy. That's how I grow from it. And, and, and a lot of times we, we start to look and, and we, we find our, our, our tribe, our group of people that we hang out with, and we just say, we're a little bit better. You know, we're, we've got this title or this name, we meet on this day, or we do this, or we do that. And so we're a little better than other people. And so what have we done? We've fallen into idolatry. That is our idol. That's more important. We can do it in big ways and small ways. Um, each each week during the series, we're going to have different people from the church share a little bit, uh, 
uh, tab shared last week. She knocked it out of the park. Not that I'm biased, that she's my daughter, but, you know, uh, er, er, and, and so there's certain subjects that we're talking about. And for some of you, you're like, hey, pastor, I've really been working on this one. This has been something in my life. Well, talk to me and, and we'll, we'll try to figure out maybe appropriate way to have you share. But uh, Chris is a good friend and uh, Chris and I both love music and 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 we love the Lord. And Chris is going to share a little bit right now. Chris, would you come on up? Guys, welcome, Chris. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hi. 94 7. No way. Okay. Uh, well, hi, everyone. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Um, so, uh, yes, this is exactly in my wheelhouse because when I was, uh, and I'll start from back about, about 16 years old, uh, if you would have walked into my room when I was 16, uh, you would have seen a lot of things. You would have seen a lot of things on the walls. And I couldn't find a picture of my room, but I did take one. And when I find it, I'll show you. But you wouldn't believe, you couldn't even see the walls. From, from the ceiling to the floor, everything was just posters. Posters of bands, posters of other people, uh, posters of certain sayings, or even like certain philosophies. I Just everything, all over my walls. And... What I realized is that I was putting a lot of other things surrounding me as my main idols. And I was, uh, I was really into metal music and rock music, and I'm still into metal music, but that's a secret. Um, but, it's, but it's good metal music now. There are different kinds. Um, and uh, and I, what I found is I was part of a culture that built into that culture was idolatry built into my culture of going to concerts and it's fine to go to concerts right there's nothing wrong with that by itself but built into our culture with uh, with my friend group was to go to concerts and basically idolize the people on the stage and we had that propensity to do that to to not just look up to them but to look at them as an end goal that's what i want to be kind of thing and we got some great pictures thank you katie Look at these pictures. Who is that guy? On the bottom right picture, the far left, you're not going to believe this, but that was me at 17. Yeah, I know it hurts me too. The, the top right picture, the guy singing, that's me with my misfit shirt on. Look at all that hair. The top left, that hair, that's me. Isn't that strange? Yeah, and wait till you see pictures of uh, Pastor Rich when he was my age. Too. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> anyway, so he looks very similar to that. We have a very similar past, but um, you know what? But that's all BC, right? BC. Um, anyway, not to say you can't look like this and love Jesus. Anywho, so this was my culture. This is my culture. That's what I wanted to say. Is that this was my culture? This is this is, was my subculture. This is this is my friend group. This is what I did. You know, we went to concerts. We idolized the people that we thought were really talented. We looked up to them, not just as mentors and guides, but literally as gods. I mean, you start to see them that way. You start to worship them. I mean, if you go to concerts, people are lifting their hands. They're, you know what I mean? There's a certain warlike devotion, almost. It's, it's, it's almost a tribal devotion to the people on the stage. And there was a moment when I went to a concert. It was a Motley Crue concert. I know, I'm sorry. Um, I went to a Motley Crue concert and Aerosmith. And Aerosmith was awesome. They were great. And Motley Crue was so they were so bad, and there were, like, reviews of this concert, and they said that it was Motley Crue's second worst concert ever, according to them. They, like, even they said it was bad. And my friends and I left just so disappointed. We were just like, oh, we came all the way out here. We like Aerosmith, but we were really there for Motley Crue, you know. We came all the way out here, and we had all of our, well, I, it wasn't leather. It was a pleather. It was, leather's too expensive. So we had all of our pleather that was tearing and flaking. Um, on and and we thought we were really cool and I had these pleather it doesn't matter okay it, but had a hole in a weird place and so we were at this concert we left we're so disappointed and I remember on the way back just feeling feeling like oh man everything I've been putting my hope in everything I've been putting my trust in everything that I've been idolizing and worshiping everything surrounding me every night when I went to bed on my walls was fickle was weak was in was inconstant. What I realized is that it was a big disappointment. And it was, it was firstly in that moment when I realized, whoa, this doesn't work. 
this can't be what I put all my trust and hope in because these people fade. Their talent fades, right? Their minds fade. This guy was forgetting the lyrics every other line. And then later we found out that he was drunk on the stage, you know? It's like, why? And, th- and I remember asking myself, and I wasn't even a Christian. I just remember asking myself, why am I idolizing someone like that? Is that who I want to be? Not at all. Not at all. So I had found something that he did that I liked, and I had begun to idolize it, right? As though it would have gotten me somewhere just by thinking he was perfect, and it didn't get us anywhere. And this happened time and time again. We would go to a lot of concerts, and so many singers from the 70s and 80s who I thought were just awesome, I would see them today, and I'd be like, they sound so bad. And over and over again, I found this sense of disappointment. And it wasn't until about a year later, about a year or two later, I went to um, a church for the first time in a long time. And I stood in the sanctuary, and just the presence of God was so strong. I wouldn't have called it that then. Um, but the presence of God was so strong, and I realized this is different. There's something here that isn't dependent on anyone around me. I realized this is not dependent on the person playing the music. This is not dependent on the pastor or the, or the people. This, there's something different. And so I started to explore that. And this is partly my testimony, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short. But as, as the years went on and as that year went on, every time I went into church, I thought, this is different. And not only is it different, it's better. And it's better partly because it's constant. Even if the music wasn't constant, he was constant. His presence was constant. That power was constant. That peace was constant so long as I just w- went after it. And so there was a moment when I was standing in the sanctuary about two years after that, and I said, I got like, to make a change because these concerts are not giving me what I, wha- what I really want. I'm going there for something, and I'm leaving always empty-handed. And when I started going to church and when I started to really step into his presence and into the Bible and into his word, I realized I was going for something, and I was leaving with something more than, than I came with. And it was constant. It was constant. Every time. And that to me was special. And so in my process of trying to exalt even myself, like he was saying, like other slash self, you can, I mean, I thought I was so cool. You know, I mean, I was pretty cool. But, <laughs> but I wasn't that cool. I wasn't cool enough, right? I wasn't cool enough to be the end goal, right? I, it's, it's never enough to be the end goal. And so I realized I was worshiping others and I was worshiping me myself and I was worshiping these idols on stage and I thought this is just inconstant and it will always disappoint me because they're just people and that's what I had to learn they're just people and now I worship God and every time every time he shows up every time and it doesn't mean I always feel it the same it doesn't mean I always walk out with the same impression but every time I know he shows up amen so there's something really powerful about worshiping God alone. I just love that. And we're going to sing a song after this that says that. And so thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you, Chris. I'll let you keep it. Oh, yeah. We don't need this. No. And, uh, but that, that, that's great. I love how Chris was sharing that because, see, there's so many angles to idolatry as we look at it. We can end up we, – we, we put these people on pedestals. And, again, uh, i got to share with you guys, sometimes we can put people even in church – on pedestals and I really hate it when I see pastors get put on pedestals and I try to be as honest and real with you guys um, we're, we're, the, we're the same we're on a journey together we, we have struggles and and you know my family you know occasionally there's a problem you know I mean we're, we're, we're people you know we're all people and the problem is we put these people on pedestals and I've seen it and it breaks my heart People will say, Pastor, I went to this church, but that pastor. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, man, that pastor sounds like a human being. Sounds like the pastor messed up. Sounds like the pastor. But the problem is that we put them on pedestals, and we start to worship them. And we, we you know, because they've got all the books, or because they've got all this, or because they've got all the people, we start to worship them. We put our spouses, we put our children, we put them in places that they should never be. And God says, I love you so much. When you do that, you're going to be brokenhearted, and you're going to miss out on what I want to give to you. So here's the scripture for it, Matthew 10, verse uh, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. 
Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than any sparrow. Now, now, now look at this. You know, God finds so much value and importance in you. There's not a thing that gets by God. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, whatever's going on, God is big enough to care. And he says, I have the best for you. Don't fall into that. Now, now here's, here's another idol is longing. And it's the religion of feelings. It's that intimacy. It's that desire. It's those highs and those lows. I'm waiting for this. Oh, I can't wait. You know, I'm, you know this is what God's going to do. You know, this is what's going to happen in the future. One day, someday, that becomes our idol. One day, everything's going to work out. And one day, this is going to happen. One day, you know. And, and, and here's another thing I just want you to remember is sometimes we can even fall into longing for the past that we start to look and we start to kind of remember the past a little different than it was. And we start to say, oh, my gosh, remember when church was like this? Remember when people were like this? Remember when this was happening? And we start longing for those things. The Israelites did the exact same thing. Remember how much better it was in Egypt? you know, while we were in slavery. Remember about that. Wouldn't that be great to go back there? The longing, this desire when we focus on things instead of focusing now. Where is God right now in your life? What are you focusing on? Guys, here, here's the passage, John 8, 10, 10, 11. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. Guys, we've got to move from these idols, these things that trap us, those things that we long for, our emotions, our feelings, for what's real and true in God. And here's the last idol. And you'll be like, Rich, that's a weird idol to have. It's suffering. And, and it's the religion of hurts. It's this idea that our suffering becomes our identity. Have you ever met people that are like that? And, 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 and I want to be careful of how I say it because I'm not mocking or doing anything. But, but I'm the widow. I'm the one who lost this. I'm the alcoholic. I'm the one that doesn't have a dad. I'm this. I'm that. I had a bad situation happen in my life. Guys, we live in a sinful, fallen world. And if we sat down and we had a cup of coffee, my heart would break with you as you would talk about those things. The problem is so easy. It just slides from something of what has happened to our idol. That becomes our identity. That becomes what we worship. That becomes the most important thing. This is who I am. God finds so much more value in you than that. Whose image are you created in? You're created in God's image. He loves you and he cares about you. And sometimes we take these sufferings and these things that we've gone on and we've created that as our identity. You are so much more than what that thing is. And more than We live in a fallen world disease. Oh my gosh, heartbreaking. But you're more than that to identify yourself as that. Guys, in 2 Corinthians 4, Starting in verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Guys, there's been some horrible things that have happened, but greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Guys, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what your idol is, as we looked at it, so many things, is it more important than God? And the reality is for some of us, we can come to church every Sunday and we've made church our idol. We've made our, our Christian community our idol instead of Jesus. And guys, we're going to pray. 
and and uh, uh, I, I want to uh, just have you think for a moment, what are the things that I put in front of God? What are those things that are more important? Let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You are so awesome. And we come to you today. You love us so much that you want to protect us, God. You want wholeness in our life. And there are so many other things we can focus on. Even just in the slightest amount, just a, a little bit more than you, just at this moment. And, and then I'll go back to you, Jesus. But, but you said that you want all of us or none of us. You don't want this adultery affair going on in our relationship. You want us to surrender our life to you and you will give everything in return. This morning, we're all in different places, different, different uh, walks on our journey. But if that's you today, that you're like, wait a second, I, I, I have been putting things in front of God. I've, I've been going back and forth. This is important and God's important and that's important and God's important. And, and I don't want you to leave on the other side of the guardrail right where you're at. I just ask that, that you would say to God, you'd say, God, I'm, I'm on the other side of the guardrail. I've, I've had idols, other things that I've been focusing on than you. God, I want to step over. I want to be back to you. God's arms are wide open. He's not angry. He's not upset. He loves you so much. That's why he sent Jesus. And if that's you today, I want you to know that you can take those idols and you can keep them on the other side and you can come to Jesus. For some of you, it's about getting your life right with Jesus. For some of you, it may be a first time, it may be a 50th time that you're like, I need to get my life right with Jesus. I don't want you to leave until you get that right. How do I get that right? I choose to drop everything that's in my hands and I turn to Jesus and I surrender. I say, Jesus, I give you my life. He wants to take your whole life. And you say, well, pastor, I'm not ready. I'm still doing this, or I'm still doing that, or I still have this problem. He, he takes it all. He takes the good. He takes the bad. You give it to him, and he wants to give you his best. If that's you today, if you say, pastor, I, I need some prayer today about the decision that I've made to, to surrender my life, to give my life to Jesus, maybe... Maybe you've already made a decision. Maybe today's the, the day that you finally said, yep, you know what? I've been holding on to these other things than you. I'd like to agree with you with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor, I'd like some prayer this week as I move forward. God, as I step forward in his best, and I just want to look at you. Is that you today that you're like, hey, Pastor, pray for me this week? I did, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That you'd say, yeah, this, this, I, I, I get it. I get it. God's speaking to me. And I don't want to be on the other side of that guardrail anymore. There's hope in Jesus. God, I thank you so much. I ask that you would be with our church. That we don't just hear things, but we live things. And we thank you in Jesus' name.